Are you dissatisfied with your smutty literature? Are you tired of reading about muscled beefcakes making love to breathy women with their heaving bosoms? Do you want to leave the path of the straight and narrow and find a path that's a little more queer? Caddy Wampus and Dame Edward are here to guide you down that path as we read you erotic stories with a whole rainbow of different lead characters. That's right. We're going to read you queer erotica and giggle the whole way through. Join us as we explore every possible pairing of genders we can find. Kinks, fantasies, fun, and sometimes even love. This is the Queeroticast. Hey everyone, it's Dame here with an intro for your intro. This episode, unfortunately, has some pretty obvious audio quality differences between Caddy and I's mics because we're still recording over Skype distantly from one another because of the coronavirus pandemic. But we're still working on improving audio quality as we continue to record remotely. So we hope any audio files in the audience aren't too put off by this episode, but we're working to make it better. And we thank you for your patience and understanding while we try to make this work the best way we can remotely from one another. Thank you. And on to the intro. Hello, and welcome to the Queeroticast. I'm one of your hosts, Caddy Wampus. And I am the other host, Dame Edward. And this is episode 14? This is episode 14. We made it. We're almost we 15. It. Can you imagine when we get to our sweet 16? We're going to throw like a fucking party about that shit. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Thank you once again for being patient with us and our sort of sporadic release date. It's never our intention to make you wait, and yet life happens. Quarantine is weighing pretty heavy on us, everyone, the world, I can imagine. Quarantine fatigue is real. I've been having some hearing issues that can make it difficult to focus on recording or doing editing, which I'm working through and on. Caddy, you've been going through some things as well that have made it difficult. Yeah, but I feel like things are are getting better for me, so... Hopefully yeah. I'll be able to to like put more effort into this now that I have spoons again. Yeah, it's almost like getting out of a toxic work environment. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing what that'll do for you. I know, it's like no more albatross around my neck. Yes. So before we get into the sexy reading part of this episode, I wanted to talk about like some recent events that have happened. If you are on the internet, which I assume you are, because how else would you fucking find this podcast? You may have seen a new shitstorm regarding J.K. Rowling and how she's a fucking turf. Mm-hmm. And like we we had had hints about this in the past. She said things before that were like gender essentialist and just not good. But she really like truly showed her colors recently. So I wanted to talk about that because like I know I make a lot of Harry Potter references, and like it was a really important part of my childhood and development it's a really important story to me and so it's like really disappointing to me that the author has turned out to be real gross so I just wanted to talk about that because I probably still will make Harry Potter references it's really it's an important story to me and I can't like erase that 
But I'm also not going to be like, Harry Potter has no author, because that erases the pain that J.K. Rowling has caused. And I think it's important for us to acknowledge that, like, she's a problematic person. She's saying things that are very hurtful to people, and it's having negative ramifications. And so I can't, like, divorce this story that I love from this, like, shitty person. So... To me, I still consider myself a part of the Harry Potter fandom because the story is important to me and I have created community with other fans and I don't want to like totally let that go, but I'm also not going to apologize for JK Rowling because she's not apologizing to the trans community and she should. And I'm not going to give her any more of my money. Like I'm not going to buy anything else licensed. It's not going to happen. She's rich enough. She doesn't need it. So that's, I just wanted to address that. I think the way that you've talked about it and approached it is really great because it can be such a sticky thing when you have something that you love and is so important to you, but it comes out that somebody associated with it is problematic and just a piece of garbage. I'm just going to put it, just going to, just going to say that, you know? And I think acknowledging that like you are not going to apologize for her and you're not going to also erase her from like that narrative that's so important for me for you because that would that would just be not acknowledging what she's done is so important for people to keep in mind because I think that's what a lot of people jump to is like well now that we have this problematic person associated with this we're just not going to include them on it and of course it's natural to say like you you're you're divorcing that author from the literature or you're devoting that uh, singer from the music or whatever, because like people are fucking problematic. Celebrities always have their spotlight and things that are problematic come out about them. And you are fucking pissed because you have this thing that you love. And now this shitty person is associated with it. And you want to be able to like the thing that you like, but at the same time, acknowledge that this person who made it or is a part of it is garbage. So Uh I think it's really great that, the way, and I think more people should think about it this way, and I'm sure plenty of people are, is to just acknowledge that the person who is associated with this is problematic, but you're going to separate that story or that music or that movie from it and cherish it for what it is and always remembering like the problematic things that might be associated with it because of who it came from. Right, and like acknowledging that JK herself is problematic has kind of given me the tools to see the ways in which the story is problematic. Right. Like Harry is this rebel and like fights against the government, but ultimately like he doesn't change the wizarding world. Like house elves are still enslaved. Like goblins are still terrible Jewish caricatures. He becomes a cop. Like he's, he's working within a very broken institution. And so like, it's okay to say, like, this story taught me a lot as a kid about, like, inclusion and seeing past the surface. And at the same time, like, it doesn't do a great job of actually, like, talking about the power structures that are in place that are causing people so much harm. Okay. I think it's important to, like, talk about that because also if you're on the internet or have seen the news, like, that has real parallels to our real life world. And, like, Black Lives Matter, that's important to say, and it's also important to say that, like, it's not individual racists, like, it's not just Trump, like, it's not just Voldemort, it's the whole damn system. It's baked into society. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, like, how can I say, like, I support cop Harry Potter, but, like, in real life, I'm like, defund the police, because we should. We should defund the police. Yes, absolutely, please. No more, cur- <laughs> no more currency for them. Put it towards other more productive things that are actually useful. Yes. But, yeah, so I think people have a tendency to want to guard things that are precious to them, naturally, especially when it comes to media or narratives that are important to them. And because of that, it's like this certain level of idealization that goes with it, and you put it up on a pedestal. When you put thing, people, things up on a pedestal, it's you make yourself blind to the things about it that should be critiqued. Mm-hmm. If you put a book up on a pedestal, if you put Harry Potter up on a pedestal, you're not you're blind to the problematic parts of the story. You're also blind to the problematic aspects of the author, you know, mm-hmm. and I get it. Like you, you want to defend something you love because it's it's important to you. But I think there's value in acknowledging the things that are wrong with something and that that can help you appreciate your growth as a person and your willingness to acknowledge that because that's. That's not nothing. I don't know. I was talking with my therapist about this the other day, and she was like, a lot of people don't always dig deep. They don't go that extra step to try and like do that inner reflection or like critique something about the world that they notice. Maybe that's harsh. I don't know. But like, I think it's good when somebody takes a step back and looks at something and goes, you know, what what do I see that like needs to be addressed here that's not perfect, even though I love this thing that's so important to me. I think there's value in that, and I think that also just I think that makes you a better person. I think that's good for you. Right. Because like, as we have said in previous intros, like the way we understand stories and the way that we reflect on stories influences how we act in real life. And so it's so important to be able to interrogate things and be thoughtful about the content that you're consuming and be thoughtful about like, how are you acting out those beliefs and those morals in your real life. Like we've talked about with consent, like, yeah, it can be fun to like go on this fantasy land where consent doesn't matter, but like in real life, are you taking that with you? And it's, you, it's important to think about that. Like how are the values and the stories that you're consuming reflecting your real life? Yeah. So if you're going that extra mile, if you're digging deep and trying to reflect on the things that might be, both good and bad about the media you're consuming, the things that you love, give yourself a high five because that's not nothing. Mm-hmm. We can be the force for change to say like, I don't want to see this in my stories or I don't want to read books about that. For vocal about it. We can see change in those things. Yeah. And like once you can do that in the safer setting of a story narrative, then you take that out and you apply it to your real life. And you look at the systems that are around you and you go, this is fucked up. Let's I want better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This this can be better. We can do better. So I just really wanted to address that. I also really wanted to talk about the Black Lives Matter movement because I think it's really important to acknowledge like there's a huge movement revolution uprising going on all over our country, all over the world. And like, even though it has not been on the news as much, you better believe it's still going on. 100%. And so, like, I just wanted to speak out my support in that movement. And, you know, our our tiny little platform isn't going to reach a lot of people, but the people that it is reaching, we want to let you guys know that, like, we are striving to be as anti-racist as possible and want to support the very important change work that is going on. Yeah, Black Lives Matter.
That's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. And if you're unfamiliar with the movement, go do some reading. There is plenty of reading material that's being readily advertised right now, consumed rapidly. It's actually very difficult to find books right now mm-hmm. for that reason. <laughs> but there's still plenty of articles, blog posts, podcasts, audiobooks. There's all sorts of resources out there for you to find and learn how to be anti-racist and also support the Black, Indigenous, people of color in your life. Mm-hmm. Well, and Caddy and I have talked about this, but we're going to say it again. We're white and we benefit from that. And if you're white, just introspect on that. Reflect on it. Go educate yourself. Take a look at the movement. And if you're already doing things to be anti-racist, again, give yourself a high five. Keep doing that work. Mm-hmm. It's on us to do fucking better. Yeah. You know, I, I was raised in the rural South and like marinated in <laughs> racism as a child. We, we are all to an extent. Yeah, I was going to say. Individuals. Yeah. The Midwest is still racist as fuck. It's oh. just a little more sneaky about it. Oh, yeah. It's just a different type of racism. Mm-hmm. And I, I look back on what I came from and where I am now, and I'm like, wow, the Midwest is still really fucking racist. Yeah, just having come from that background and also still living in it now that I'm in the Midwest, I just I just want to keep doing better, you know? Mm-hmm. I want to, like, fight back against those messages that were, like, beamed into my eyeballs as a child. <laughs> so that's just how it was. Yeah. And lastly, in current events, COVID-19 is still happening. Yes. It is not going away. People are still dying. So don't fucking go out in big crowds. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Be a responsible citizen. Yes, please do your civic duty. Again, I work in public health. I have a PhD in microbiology. I am here to tell you, please take this seriously. Please. This has not disappeared. I know we're all tired of quarantine. Like, God knows I fucking am. But... It's not going away just because we're bored of it. It's still a problem and it's still dangerous. This disease came from somewhere other than humans. It came from animals, from the from wildlife. When a disease that's from wildlife hops into humans, that's like bad news because that d- disease and us don't mix with one another because we haven't encountered each other before. It's really bad news for us and it can really wreak havoc on our bodies. There's so many things we don't know about being infected with COVID that are still we're still figuring out because it's so new. And like the fact of the matter is is you know, you may be young and healthy, but there's actually research showing now that even if you get like a mild asymptomatic case, you might still lose lung capacity or have other detrimental effects later on down the line because you were infected with the virus. So even though you might be saying to yourself like, oh, well, you know, I got it or, you know, somebody I know got it and it was really mild and all they had was a cough and some sniffles. You don't know what that virus is going to do to your body. And honestly, I don't think it's worth the risk. Mm-hmm. And as a reminder, the U.S. is 25% of the global cases of COVID-19. I am ashamed. Mm -hmm. I am ashamed of how the United States, who previously was a, a leader in global public health, has handled this pandemic. It is absolutely abhorrent to me, and I am ashamed. And I want us as individuals to do everything we can because we are not having the proper response to this from the federal government, because it's on us at this point. Please do your civic duty, wear a mask when you go outdoors. I know they can be uncomfortable, but you can have fun with them. They can be a fashion statement. I have had, I've bought so many funny, pretty, monstrous masks. <laughs> I love them all. I, yes, I hate that it's hot as balls when I go outside and I have a mask plastered to my face, but I fucking deal with it because I don't want to fucking die of COVID and I don't want to spread it to anybody else because if we all wear masks, 
guys, we can get this virus's transmission down to fucking nothing. And then the pandemic will go away. If we wear masks, it will die out. So please wear a mask. Wear a mask and put it over your nose. I cannot tell you how many people I have seen who have had it just over their mouth and not their nose. And I'm like, that is doing fucking nothing. It's okay if you don't know this, but your your nasal passages are connected to your mouth and throat. (laughs) They're all one long tube. You can stick something into your nose and it will go down your throat if you go far enough. Right. And if you don't know that, like, that's not your fault. It's the public education system that should have taught you better biology and anatomy. Yes. Yes, 100%. It's on public education. And like, if you have a mask on over your mouth, you are still inhaling through your nose, which will then go down into your throat, into your breathing tube, and then into your lungs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if you guys are like, but it's really hard to social distance, and I don't like it, and I want to hang out with people. Just remember that Dame and I have been partners for over five years. And we couldn't even like properly celebrate our anniversary this year. And we have not kissed each other's faces since like early March. And it's been it, really can, fucking hard. It's so bad, guys. It, you can do it too. It's so miserable. I just want to kiss my girlfriend so badly. And I'm like, no, do it for public health. You're doing your civic <laughs> duty. Do it for your own safety. Do it for Caddy's safety. Do it for your neighbors. We're just in one long slow burn chastity fan fiction. <laughs> Put denial and chastity in the tags too. Longing, yearning, pining, all of those adjectives. We just celebrated our five-year anniversary. Caddy and I have been together for five glorious years. It's amazing. It is. It, like, yeah. I can't even... I can't even talk about my feelings about it. Okay, let's just talk about something else. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm excited that we've been together for five years. I was not excited that we had to wear masks when we said hello to each other on our five-year anniversary. And just, like, sit on a picnic blanket in the park with our mask on. Uh, It's hard, guys. I get it. It's really hard. But you got to do your civic duty. I promise you, we can actually beat COVID together. Don't sit around waiting for the vaccine because it's going to take a long time and we don't know how efficacious it's going to be. Remember the whole flu vaccine and how you have to get it every year? There's kind of a concern that like that might be the case for COVID. God, when the polio vaccine was in development, I think that took years. It was less than 10 but greater than five, if I remember correctly, like the development process of the polio vaccine. Also, we need like another campaign like the polio vaccine campaign was like, that's where the March of Dimes came around from, right? Like they had the actress who plays Lucy and I love Lucy. Lucille Ball. Yes, I could not think of her name for the life of me. Like they had her and also her co-star, whose name I can't remember either, making PSAs about polio and being like, get your vaccine, donate money so we can have a vaccine. You don't want your kid to be in an iron lung from polio. So I feel like we need some celebrities to like make a few commercials like, hey, do you want to end up with reduced lung capacity or a stroke? Maybe you should wear a mask. Yeah. Desi Arnaz played Ricky Ricardo. Yes. Thank you. Do something useful if you have a real platform. George Clooney is timeless, and he has also done good thing with things with the money he made from Nestle. He could put that towards like I would. I if I if George Clooney gave a commercial about wearing a mask, I'd be like, yes, Batman, I will wear a mask. Thank you. But the fact that Tom fucking Hanks got COVID, and we didn't just like all stop and go, everybody protect Tom Hanks. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? And that was also when it was hard to get a test. Idris Elba had COVID, and we're still not taking it seriously. Like, what if we had lost Idris Elba and Tom Hanks? 
I mean, I love Tom Hanks, but like if we had lost Idris Elba, that would have been it for me. I don't know. Oh my God. Can you imagine what would happen? How would I handle Tom Hardy getting COVID? Oh my God. But I mean, he already wears masks in all of his roles, so he's safe. He's used to it. I would love a PSA from Tom Hardy with a bunch of dogs with him wearing a mask. Oh my God. That would get the point across. Yeah, and he can wear a mask that looks like his Bane mask. He could wear a mask that looks like that weird contraption they put on him in Mad Max. There's a lot of ways we could be creative about this. There are plenty of Venom masks, actually, though. He should just do that. Anyway, yeah. yeah. There's just a lot of shit going on right now. 2020 is so exhausting. But you know what I care about the most? What? Sexy stories. Yes, top tier love sexy stories so we should talk about the sexy story that we're going to read in this episode yeah so we're continuing with monster brothel you may recall we left off hanging out with a pack of werewolves we got kind of edged while we were being voyeurs watching Um, two lesbian werewolves go at it in the closet yes Thank you, Geeking Like a Boss, once again, for letting us read your wonderful story. And this episode, content of note, there's no actual sex in this episode, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah, content warning for violence. Yeah, werewolf on animal violence. Werewolf on animal violence, yes. I think that's it. Yeah, adventuring. There's there's some adventure in this episode. Yeah. Uh, Setting some stuff up for next episode that hopefully we'll get some more sexy time. Oh, it will be there. sexy, sexy stuff. I am so stoked for you to read the, the next stuff in the episode. So I think that's it. I think we're ready for some action-packed werewolf times. All right. Let's dive right in. Alrighty, so where we left off, we, we the character, escaped from the fairy revels after we got a really cool but also a sort of double-edged gift from the golden lady. Yep. And then we ran into a pack of werewolves on a full moon, got to watch some real good werewolf sexual encounter. We got to be four years on a WLW werewolf encounter yes wlw has two meanings in this case oh oh perfect i didn't even oh i love that yeah werewolf loving werewolf it's a double entendre in yes. a way. sadly this iteration of the main character has not yet gotten to orgasm though because uh we just like got dominated by the golden lady and then had to run away and then we were masturbating and didn't come i don't think right no we're real horny and then we got interrupted so we're we're really raring to go yeah i feel like i should say though the iou the the gift the Uh double the double-edged gift was that you shall not seek your own pleasure until your lover is sated. Or rather, you will be relentless in bed, and you will not give up until your lover is sated. Yes. Which I know where that comes in at, and I'm really excited to see if we get there. Ooh. Okay. Okay. I made the mistake of not having it when it came in, and it did not end well. So Uh, I'll I'll leave it at that. Okay. You're... I'm... Enough teasing. (laughs) I want you to get I want you to get there. Anyway, anyway. 
the werewolves were celebrating because it's the full moon and they got a new member. Tara. Yes. So she has to do some kind of thing to prove herself. And we were invited to see it. So the choice at the end of this page was stay at the house or go with the pack. Obviously, I'm going to go with the pack. Like, this sounds cool. So, yeah, let's see what it is. Go with the pack. Go with them. A bunch of werewolves in the middle of a hunt. You can see it is still raining outside and you did just get cleaned up. But when are you ever going to get such an opportunity again? I'll come with you guys if that's okay. Wouldn't have invited if it weren't. He turns his head, whistling to get the attention of the others. Oh, God, we're already to Spanish. It's fine. (laughs) Gotta look it up. Okay, take one. (laughs) Hey, order de trabajar perros. He clapped his hands several times, and there was a surprising amount of overdramatic grunts and growls as a lot of them climbed to their feet and headed out the door. If you weren't looking at a bunch of eight-foot-tall lycanthropes, you'd swear someone had five complaining huskies in the room. Julio turns to you, flashing that wide, toothy grin again. So, come on. Marigold would get pissed if I didn't show you a good time. You get a little red in the cheeks as you follow him to the door, the rest of the pack standing out in the rain and getting ready to be off. Julio takes the steps two at a time before shaking himself up and sighing as if releasing a weight off his shoulders. The rain caresses his body, glistening down the tight muscles of his back and plastering his thick black hair to his head. I love tight back muscles. Never skip back day. It's true. Tight back muscles through a thin t-shirt. Well, yeah, because so many people work their front body and ignore their legs. And then when they like turn around, it's just well, and it's really hard to work your back It's not an easy it's not an easy thing to bulk up. So Mm. no judgment. I certainly don't have a very muscular back. So it's just nice when I do see it. Mm -hmm. You can see excitement twinkle in those fiery eyes as he stretches fur blossoming up over his flesh. It is like watching fields of wheat curl up from the earth. His limbs elongate, his spine lengthens. You can hear joints crack and pop, but he does not seem to be in any pain. He does this so naturally, it looks effortless, like a practice artist placing brush to canvas. As he turns towards you, a muzzle forms, lips pulling back across the pink gums and creating the wolf face. He goes down on all fours, walking over to you. It is no less intimidating, even knowing the man is still there behind the beast. Your heart beats against your chest, even as he holds out a long-fingered paw to you. Don't be afraid. You weigh nothing to me. All right, so this ends with Run With The Pack. He helps you up, letting you straddle his back and wrap your arms around his shoulders. Hold on, tight, but not too tight. Julio orders. I could just walk, you know, you mutter, fingers already vanishing within his soft, dense fur. It's embarrassing, but you can't lie to yourself. There is something incredibly arousing about being astride a werewolf. You and me, yep, feel that. (laughs) Feel that deeply. Right there with you. Especially when, like, you just got done masturbating, but you didn't actually get to finish masturbating. And, it like, would be so hard not to grind up against their back. Are you fucking yep. kidding me? Just be like, oh, hold on a second. Or, like, even just being jostled if, like, he's running and you're on the back. It's like, oh, no. Yeah. Yep. It's like riding a horse. <laughs> uh, you lock your thighs around Julio's waist as he goes back down to his paws, choosing to run this way so you have an easier time hanging on. You can hear the laughter in his belly. You couldn't get away from us running scared. You think you can keep up with us at a walk? No, this is faster. He promises and lifts his head. You feel the reverberation through your skull as his howl pierces the air, bringing the rest of them to order. Like a bullet from a gun, you're off, wind and rain whipping about your face. 
You bury your head up against his back, peeking out between his ears to see where you are going. The trees fly by, and you can just see the rest of the pack running alongside Julio. They swerve in and out between the trunks like ghosts in a forest, both parts of the environment and beyond it. They lope, gallop, and bolt, their paws making dull thumping sounds on the ground like a stampede. In this moment, you feel you are a part of something primal, something wild and uninhibited. You hold on, not wanting it to end, even as you realize the pack has started to slow down and change direction. Julio gives out another blasting howl, and off in the distance you hear someone answer. The air is filled with their baying voices calling out to one another to guide the pack together. As you close in, you can hear a series of yapping voices mingled with human ones encouraging someone on. Alright, the button at the bottom of this page is Grappling with the Beast. Nice. Julio brings the pack into the grove, and you can see what has caused such a fuss. There in the middle, surrounded by the rest of the pack, is a full-bodied werewolf prowling about as she looks at a massive buck with its rack turned on her. The crowd yips and cheers, keeping both from leaving the circle. Come on, Tara. Get him, girl. Take him down. Watch out for the antlers. Julio passes over, sniffing the air as he scoops you up and sets you down. Stay out of the way. He says, not even winded by the run. I thought I wasn't in any danger, you say with a smile, hoping to tease him a bit. Not from my group, but that buck doesn't look like it's in too good of a mood. He directs, sniffing enthusiastically. You see Tara flit her gaze towards him, her ears perking up as if looking for approval. You see Julio chuff, his mouth pulling into a lazy, doggish grin. This seems to be all the encouragement she needs. The young wear turns back to her prey, and you realize what is about to happen. So... I've been re-listening to a podcast that I've mentioned on here before called Potterless, where he reads the Harry Potter books for the first time as an adult. And there's like in the third book, there's all this stuff about people who can turn into animals. And like one of Harry's dad's friends was a werewolf and his dad could turn into a deer. And um, the Potterless guy was like, a deer? A deer is so lame. Deers aren't cool. <laughs> and so it's just like... It's making me laugh that it's like wolf versus deer in this. But like a big buck that's oh, mad. No, it'll fuck you up. Yep. Don't you do not want to go toe to toe with those antlers or hooves. No. Dangerous. And like, I don't think people realize how big things like like elk, buck uh, and moose are. Yeah. I don't think I don't think people have a good grasp of how big those animals are compared to us. Yeah, I mean, like, I do, but that's because my dad uh, hunted when I was a kid. And so, you know, just some afternoons in the in the autumn time, I would come home and there would be a deer carcass hanging in my garage. Just normal, normal kid stuff. I am familiar with this because I, too, lived in Michigan, but only very briefly. And all of my family on my mom's side hunted, so... I would always see pictures. Never up close, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen the trophies mounted. So, like, well, they always hunted brush antelope, like, because they lived in high desert. So, like, think think scrub deer is, like, I think what they would call them. So they're, they're, like, much smaller. But, like, you still look at the head and you're like, that's that's bigger than I thought it would be. Mm. That's what she said. (laughs) Anyway. She's going to eat him. There we go. Is is she going to kill that deer? You feel sick to your stomach. You're not squeamish by nature, but you didn't know you were signing up to watch a slaughter. Maybe later, but not tonight. The leader of the pack leans in to give you further explanation. 
This is her first grappling. It's important for Tara to know that she can control the transformations herself, and it will. It'll give her confidence, so she's got to take down that buck without hurting it or killing it. If she can, she'll be one of us. So it's a rite of passage thing, then. Did you all have to do it, you ask? Watching her linky, unsure movements, it's clear she must be much younger than the rest of the pack members. She looks so eager to prove herself, yet somehow lacking the confident swagger and stance of the older members. Is she... I mean, is she someone's kid? Puppy? Kid? Julio snorts like this is the funniest thing he's heard in a while. We're all somebody's pup, but Tara got here about a year ago. Found her in Fresno eating rats and stray cats. Some guy she had a crush on took a bite out of her and left her there to figure shit out for herself. She'd run away from her family before- I'm sorry, I have to pause because that is the shittiest thing. Yup. That makes me so mad. Yeah. So mad. Could you, could, oh, just like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna leave you to, f- what? No, fucking shit. Ugh. Okay. I'm going to recompose myself. I I just could not finish that sentence because it made me so mad. Yep. Real fucked up. Real fucked up. Mm. Some guy she had a crush on took a bite out of her and left her there to figure her shit out for herself. She'd run away from her family before that, so we figured it was best to bring her out here, teach her how to manage her condition. Is that what you call it? A condition? You know you are likely prying, but when else are you going to find out stuff like this? Julio has his eyes fixed on the young wear, like he's watching a boxing match, but one ear is pricked towards you. For some of us, it is. For others, it's more like a gift. It helps if you got someone around to help you learn the ropes. Come on, Tara. He howled, sounding like a proud father at a ball game. That's so cute. That's sweet. I like that. Tara's fluffy tail was whipping side to side with excitement as she crouched, ready to pounce. Oh my gosh, that reminds me. Did you see the new story about the dog that was so happy that his owners were home all the time because of self-isolation that he sprained his tail yes oh my gosh poor baby so cute gotta be careful it's still cute but less cute uh that sometimes happens to greyhounds if they wag their tail too hard and hit it against something their tails can Mm. break because they have just little they have little paper bones yeah can't happen to boss because his got cut off yeah. <laughs> he's he's got the sturdier part of his tail left. The the weakest part has been <laughs> removed. My yeah. dog got his tail caught in a door really badly and it was like the middle of the night and it had to be amputated. It was awful. <sighs> but it's fine now. Oh, he's still just as cute, yeah. He is just as cute. And he seems to be doing fine without it. Oh yeah. And in, in fact it's just like it hits less against stuff so it's fine oh that's just like such a thought though imagine if you first became a wolf and you were like in your wear form a lot like can you imagine just like accidentally forgetting your tail was there and getting it like caught indoors and shit that probably happens oh my god i would knock so much shit over like i knock shit over with my butt all the time as it is (laughs) you don't need an extra extension for more (laughs) knocking shit over there's like so many times where I'm like, oh shit, I forgot my butt was this juicy. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to knock this thing over. <laughs> you made me take off my glasses. You're welcome. I forgot my butt was this juicy. Christ. <laughs> Get that on a t-shirt for you. Oh my god. <laughs> Julio seems to keep his cards close to the chest, but then maybe there is a reason for that. 
You turn your head to watch as Tara springs forward, coming up under the buck and topping it easily. She tries to get her claws up under the deer without hurting it. It can't be easy with those long, curved nails. She tries to gain footing, but the deer hasn't given up yet. It grounds itself before she can and jerks about, flipping her off its body and bellowing angrily. The pack boos, howling with encouragement to get Tara working again. A volley of suggestions flies through the air, trying to give the young wear direction. Tara struggles and shakes the dirt off her fur, ears pressed back against her skull as she snarls. Stay calm. You hear Julio mutter, not taking his eyes off of her. Does he have a reason to be concerned? Just think it through. Don't rush it. He encourages, and you can see his tail stilled on the ground. You follow his gaze as Tara tries again and the buck charges. She narrowly avoids the antlers and it plows them into the dirt, flipping itself on its side. You hear an enraged bray as it scrambles to its hooves, spraying mud and grass everywhere. It turns its fury on its attacker and you watch the deer head straight for her. Maybe it's the cheering, maybe it's the close quarters, maybe she's just gotten too nervous and lost her focus, but you see Tara's ears droop and she yips in fear. She doesn't move quick enough, but you see the fur on Julio's spine stand on end as he rushes forward to help her. But even he isn't fast enough. This is getting tense. Uh-oh. All right. Blood and Rage. Ooh, title of a metal album. Oh, there was a, there was a nice little roar sound effect there. I know. It scared me. <laughs> it, oh, no. I was just like, what is this? Did a pop-up happen? What? <laughs> But then I, I remember that sometimes there's sound effects in this, but normally we mute them because we're recording. Yeah. <sighs> okay. <laughs> you, oh, no, are you okay? This is the part. Oh, my God. I have to make sure that the closet door behind me is now shut whenever I Skype people because I could not handle. It's too horror movie. I cannot handle the thought of somebody coming through in the closet and then one of you, multiple of you for playing D&D or Monster Hearts, watching me get murdered by my closet monster. I was not expecting that to be your fear. That's my fourth coronavirus isolation fear. The <laughs> That my closet monster will kill me instead of fuck me. It would be uh, totally yeah. different if the closet monster came through the crack in the in the closet and was like, hold on, guys, we got to pause this Skype recording for a minute or enjoy the show if it's feeling spicy. Uh, one of the two. I was expecting it to be more like, oh, I can't leave the door open because, like, boss might walk through and then it would scare me because I would think it was a, a closet monster. But no, there's too much shit in my closet for boss to get through it. Uh, gotcha. That just reminded me of that comic that is often floated around the Internet that's like, oh, you can't let your foot hang off the bed because then demons will eat it. And then, like, the last panel is someone with their ass hanging off the bed. <laughs> yep. It's uh, it's that. Yep. Yep, it us. All right. You've never heard a sound like this. Something between pain and shock, a desperate whine peeling through the ear that tugs at your emotions as the buck drives an antler into her side. Oh, no. Oh, no. Jinx. <laughs> Julio slams into the beast, knocking it out of the circle with all his strength. The pack, too concerned with their friend, ignores the buck and the confused deer bolts off into the woods, kicking up mud as it flees back into the tree line. Tara, Tara. Julio's voice carries over the concerned noises. You rush forward without thinking, trying to see if you can do anything to help. You shove past, hulking furry bodies, working your way to the center of the crowd. Everyone is too focused on her to even take notice of you. You can see Julio, but he doesn't seem to be tending to his friend's injuries. Rather, he seems to be trying to talk her down. Uh-oh. Uh, the dark black fur she sports is bristled, her tail tucked between her legs. 
You can see her eyes staring at the ground, red as a firebrand and pulsing. Tara, Miha, listen to me. You're hurt, but it's not so bad. Listen to my voice. Esta bien. We just need to get you back to the cabin and... No! She snarls, muscles straining as it's trapped by skin. She lifts her head, teeth bared and mouth agape, as if tempted to take a bite at him. Come on now, Tara. Julio says, his voice gentle but firm. You've come so far. You don't want to go back now. Come on now, little pup. Come on. Respira. You see those feral eyes turn towards you. What are you staring at? She barks suddenly. The whole pack seems to have remembered you are there. You feel a big body tuck up behind you, and when you look up, Sabian swipes an arm around you to block you from view. It's too late. She's got her eyes on you. Think you're better than me? Huh? Think just just because you're human, you don't... (sighs) Sabian, get a handle on her. Julio orders before approaching you. He hauls you up and flings you onto his back, taking off from the circle to put distance between you and the irrational Terra. So the end of this page is, what did I do wrong? What did I do? You yell over the pounding rain, clinging to Julio's back as he takes off at a fast clip. I don't know what I... You were in her sights. That's all you had to do. Julio yells, and you notice he isn't headed to the cabin, but uphill. Where are we going? Back to the mansion. You'll be safer there. He hollers. Already you can hear angry snarls and fighting howls clamoring behind you. Is she going to be all right? What happened? No time to explain. He barks back, and you hear the sound of a second set of paws coming up behind you. You've never made such a bad mistake, and looking back to see who's coming along. Maybe you thought it was Sabian, but what you see instead is the sharp and gaining figure of Terra, blood-red eyes locked on her target. Julio, we need to go a shitload faster! He doesn't even bother to check for himself. You see him push forward, the gallop pounding the dirt under you. He launches himself forward, kicking off from tree trunks to change directions, suddenly in hope of losing your pursuer. Duck! Never ever question the order to duck when someone yells it at you. That's good advice. Yes, so true. (laughs) You push your face and body as close to the hulking werewolf as you can. You feel thorns tug along your clothing, scraping through your hair. You hear a whine erupt from Julio and a pained yowl from behind you. When you get the courage to look up, you've stopped moving. There's a deranged howl coming from all around you, and yet neither of you has been attacked. What did you do? All right, next page in the Aconite patch. What's Aconite? If Harry Potter has led me correctly, Aconite is the same as Wolfsbane, I think. Oh, okay. It says we're in the yeah, okay, we're in the Briar Patch, but yeah, that makes sense. I will check. Wolfsbane. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wolfsbane's scientific name is Aconitum. Yeah. So I think in mythology, a lot of times it's poisonous to werewolves. Yes, indeed. We're in the Briar Patch. Julio grumbles, panting heavily as he lay down in the dirt. You climb down off his back and wince to see fat thorns embedded deep in his face. As you approach him, you can see he is bleeding profusely, and he looks to be in pain. Let me help you, you offer, reaching for the thorns. No, won't do much good. He chuffs and whimpers. It's not the thorns, it's the aconite. Aconite? I think we're going to find out that it is indeed Wolfsbane. (laughs) Oh, yep, maybe. It's dark, but as you look around, you can see thick purple flowers intertwined in the dense hedge. 
Wolfsbane. Oh God. Oh shit. Are you going to die? What do I need to do? Do you need, I don't know, blood or something? I like that. Oh, and it makes sense. Cause you know, when we think about monster movies, what's the most likely thing that people know about in like in popular, popular culture, it's mythology about vampires or mythology about werewolves. Right. So this main character knows shit all about fairies and minotaurs, but does know about werewolves, which I feel like fair. That checks out. To your surprise, Julio laughs, coughing in a thick manner. (laughs) That's a vampire. No, I don't need anything. He grunts and sniffs, instinctively trying to shake the annoyances out. Aconite isn't deadly. Just stings like fire and takes the wind right out of you. He insists, groaning to himself. She won't be able to get in here. We'll be safe till the rest of the pack arrives. That was very brave of you, you offer his consolation, petting the top of his head fondly. You can feel bits of twig and branch stuck to him, and you comb it out with tender fingers. No, it was stupid. He grumbled, looking distraught. I shouldn't have brought you to the grappling. That was a foolish idea. All right, the button at the end of this page is, why did you? Yeah, why did you, Julio? Good question. So why did you? He turns away reluctantly, and you get the feeling he's embarrassed. It clicks in your head and you smile. Were you showing off? It sounds a little too smug, even hearing it with your own ears, but that doesn't make the possibility any less gratifying. Yet the only answer you get is an indignant chuffing before he makes a morose sound. Well, flattering as that is, you are right. That was very stupid. You could have stayed in the cabin. I could have decided not to walk into the woods, too, but here we are, you admit casually, listening for the sounds of another werewolf trying to get in. I think she laughed. No, I can smell her nearby. She's waiting to see if we will come out. He lifts his head and sniffs the air for a while. The rest of the pack is coming for us, but they're having difficulty. Why? Can't you smell one another? The aconite scent is throwing them off. They know we are in the area, but they can't pinpoint it. If they're smart, they'll try and find Tara's scent instead. So, end of page. What happened back there? So what happened? Why did she go off like that? Tara has a complicated past. I think getting hurt like that sent her over the edge. Don't worry about it. It's not your responsibility. It's mine. Well, you've kind of gotten me stuck in the middle of this, and I'm not keen about a crazed werewolf chasing me all over the place. Who knows? Maybe I can do something to help. Julio regards you for a moment with this calm expression. You get the feeling that he's sizing you up. There's this thing that happens sometimes. When a werewolf gets super stressed out or really injured, we call it going feral or berserk. It makes us act irrationally. We lose sight of what we're doing, and like Tara, it can make us very aggressive. No chill at all. Tara has always been hot-headed, but I didn't think she'd go off like this. Can we just wait for her to calm down? It doesn't work that way. You don't just calm down when you're outright feral. It takes time. Time we don't have. That doesn't sound promising. It isn't. If we don't do something to snap her out of it before dawn, then we won't snap her out of it. Oh, shit. Oh, boy. And that is going to be a very, very big problem, my friend. Julio lays his head against your thighs, seeking comfort without thinking about it. Okay, so we go back to the mansion, talk to Marigold, and see if... You see him dart his eyes up to you with a pleading expression. Oh. Uh-oh. Why can't we tell Marigold? She trusts me. She trusted me to keep this pack safe and under control. Julio tells you in a soft tone. She saved my ass. I'd rather not let her down if I can avoid it. 
So no tattling. Yes. Snitches get stitches. <laughs> Perhaps in this case, literally. And not uh-huh. just not just a popular colloquialism. Yup. Okay, so no tattling. So then what do we do? Wait for the pack to get her and help subdue her. Maybe we can get her calmed down if we get some meat into her. Take her on a hunt and give her something to take the aggression out on. Julio stands up. You can see his body shaking with the effort, and you reach out a hand to steady him. A soft whine splits the air. His eyes remind you of an animal that is frightened and in need of help. Disoriented. Cautious. Now would be a good time for Xena to whine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Good background noise. <laughs> I just wanna, I just wanna wrap Julio in a big hug, and just like wipe all that aconite off of him and make him feel better. Poor baby. What if I could do something to help you? Offer trying to do what you can. Nothing you can do. She'd chew you up and spit you out in a second. Julio warns, and there isn't any doubt in his mind that this is true. A series of barks lets you know that the cavalry has arrived. Julio, Julio, where are you at? You recognize Sabian's voice, and you see Julio perk up as he pushes back through the hole he made. In here. I got our guest with me. You crawl back without too much trouble, and by the time you get through, you can see Sabian licking all over Julio's face, sniffing at him, and brushing the thorns stuck in his fur off. Mm. Oh, so cute. That was smart. Stupid as hell, but smart, you know? He growls and whimpers, nuzzling all over his lover. Yes! (laughs) Yes, I love this. Oh, Geek did confirm that uh, in this universe, werewolves, and honestly, how it should be in every universe if I would have my way, or I could have my way, uh, these werewolves are pack sexual. So it's kind of like polyutopia for werewolves. Ugh, beautiful. I know. So like the whole like thread we were talking about where like Julio was like, oh, if you're gonna, if you're not gonna let me join, like go bang in your own room, like. It's it's real. They do they do they like they're like apparently there are like kind of couples within the group, but then they also just like I don't know group bang. Great, Ugh, so I good. love it. And it's it's good. I want to live in the cabin in the woods as long as it has Wi-Fi with a <laughs> <laughs> with a pack of of pack sexual werewolves. Of course, yeah. I would also be a werewolf in this scenario. There are other monsters I would love to be, but if if being a werewolf would allow me to be pack sexual, like yes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I deserve that life. What did what did I do wrong? Why why is that not me? <laughs> what? <laughs> it just it sounds like a good life. It's a good life. It's great to what we're currently living. It's, it's ideal. I know. Mm-hmm. I want snuggles so bad. I know. And just, can you imagine just snuggling up in a big pile of furry bodies? Yes. And then you don't get sweaty skin that sticks to each other. Ugh. Oh, I hope werewolves also smell like, well, like, so I remember I was thinking this in the last episode, but I didn't say anything when it was described that like there was a heavy wet dog smell, which hounds do still have like a pretty heavy wet dog smell, but like, it would be so awesome if they smelled like hounds. Cause hounds have this kind of like, earthy warm like sweet scent to them they don't like have like a super heavy dog musk like some dogs do Mm -hmm. Um, which is also why i don't have to bathe boss as much as like uh i would a regular dog they they don't get a strong dog musk anyway that's my two cents about hounds yeah 
But I don't know what a wolf smells like, but probably they are much muskier than dogs. Probably, because their fur is usually denser, so more things can get stuck in it. Yes. Is he going to be all right, you ask, as the other wolves go sniffing around, trying to see if they can find anything. They don't seem to be having much luck. He'll be all right. Wolfsbane just feels like a drug you can't quite shake off. We use it sometimes. It stings and burns like hellfire if it gets into your bloodstream, though. Sabian continues to brush along the beleaguered Julio. That's why he dove in there with you. If Tara has gone off and gone berserk, that stuff will just sting and scratch. She won't want to deal with it. You look at the flowers growing up amid the thorn bush. With a rogue werewolf around, maybe a few of those flowers and thorns wouldn't be such a bad idea. So there's a choice here to take some aconite-infused thorns or leave the thorns. I'm going to take some. Weapons are good. Weapons? Yeah, you got to arm yourself. Ooh, there's a little bling. Bling. And you have received an aconite-infused thorn. And it has a, a cute little drawing of a thorn, like a vine with thorns and little purple drops on it. And there was also like a nice little rustling twig sound. Mm-hmm. You reach over, grabbing some of the thorns as cautiously as possible and sneaking them into your pocket. It might not be useful, but it's better to have some means of defense if Tara comes sniffling back. She didn't seem to like you very much at all. Maybe we should get back to the cabin. Rose pipes up, the hackles along her shoulders, all stiff. We should take our guests back to the house first. I could run them up there and... No. Julio says gruffly. No, just one of us wouldn't stand a chance. You'd be a sitting duck. He starts to shift, straining to get his human form to come back through the fur. Don't push yourself. You're too... Julio snaps and flexes again. The fur seeps into his flesh and his human skin appears through it. He realizes for the first time just how young he looks. No more than 25 or so. He looks positively exhausted. He points to you, claws still pulling back in. We need to get back to the cabin. Todos. We'll send out a search party and bring her in and... It won't do any good. Lulu shakes her fluffy head with disagreement. We can't snap her back out of it. We tried. Well, we can't just let her go roaming around. Julia argues back. If nothing else, herd her. Get her to keep to the areas around our territory where we can where we can keep track of her. We should go to Marigold. She's got to have something. No, no one goes to Marigold. Julia orders and the pack looks down, aware of being given their orders at a primal level. We solved this ourselves. One of the wolves, you are pretty sure this one was called Peter, makes a coughing noise. We could go ask Durian. Durian! Sorry. Please click. Click that. Click that button. (laughs) My first thought was, who is Durian? And then I looked at the button and it says, who is Durian? Yeah, there we go. Let's find out. Very good. You get the feeling that no one very much likes this Durian character much. Okay, I'll bite. Who's Durian? Julio scowls and gives Peter a withering look. He's one of the big guys Marigold has around here. Oh, I can feel myself getting, like, shivers. I'm so excited. Sorry, continue. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to guess what kind of creature would make you this excited. So, big. Mm-hmm. Got that. Let's see. I know, like, Gorgons have kind of been your thing lately, but I feel like you wouldn't be that... They're not super in- big, yeah. Yeah, they're not super big, and you wouldn't be as into a male Gorgon. Truth. So I'm thinking lizard of some kind. Dragon, perhaps. Mm-hmm. 
Do you want me to do you want me to confirm if you're right, or do you just want to keep speculating? I I just want to speculate. I'm going to I'm I'm gonna guess some kind of big old mystical lizard boy, either like Godzilla type or dragon type. Okay, so either a kaiju or a dragon. Yes. Okay. Maybe, not like as big as a kaiju because that's ridiculous and there's no way you could keep that hidden on an estate but like that general kind of shape but like maybe like 12 feet tall instead of like 100 feet tall okay your hypothesis has been noted big guys yeah a couple of the residents here are in a different category altogether not like the rest of us They don't socialize much, or they're really territorial. For whatever reason, they don't live at the house or in the main part of the forest. Peter finishes, ignoring the bordering on furious look Julio is giving him. And this one in particular doesn't much like company of any sort. Besides, what's he going to do? Last time I checked, Dragonfire doesn't cur- Yeah, yeah, (laughs) your face. You're right. Um, Last time I checked, Dragonfire doesn't cure Berserk. Sabian paused and looked pensive. Well, I guess it does in a permanent sort of way. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's very me energy. (laughs) In a very permanent sort of way. Oh, I I relate to that hardcore. (laughs) Very practical. Did you just hear him say what you think you heard him say? Excuse me, but did you just say dragons? It doesn't okay. matter because oh go ahead. I just I need to interrupt for a second because um one of my favorite lines in a very Potter musical is like they're talking about like the task in a house cup tournament and Harry is under the invisibility cloak and oh, eavesdropping and so they're talking about how like they're gonna have to fight dragons and Harry like very loudly is like, Did he just say dragons? And oh, then the guy who said dragons was like did you just say did he just say dragons and oh my like, god it, it's just it's so good and then dumbledore is like of course i wouldn't because anyone else hiding in this room would know to shut up harry potter christ it's so good anyway did you just say dragons it doesn't matter because nobody is going to but he's got all the stuff up in his caves a real horde and i heard he likes items with magic to them real magic Good, good magical objects. Peter says, and you can see a few of the other members of the pack looking hopeful. And Sirio, are you kidding me right now? Leo grunts. What, you think he's just going to have this exact random item we need when we don't even know what it is we need? Even if he doesn't, he's super old. I heard the merfolk who talk to the dryads, who have it in with the sim, that... <laughs> I I was really trying to get through that because I had like the perfect cadence, but I broke. <laughs> I broke listening to myself. It's good. It's good. I heard the merfolk talk to the dryads who always have it in with a sim that he's like ten thousand years old or something. Boo boo sounds keener on the idea. Maybe he knows of something that can help. Okay, so I don't know all of the monsters in the monster brothel, but is a sim. The one that we watched. Um, yes. For the live stream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Monster so, like, spirit. Yeah. For, forest spirit monster. Yeah. All, all creaky and woodsy looking. Yeah. I like it. Mm-hmm. He's good. We do the same thing we did with you and Sabian. Julio argues back. We corral her in, tire her out, and get her pinned. 
Once we get her calmed down, she'll be just fine. Savian looks Julio up and down, and you can tell how concerned he is with everything that's going on. He catches your eye and huffs. I think we should try Peter's idea. I mean, okay, so the end of this is I can choose to agree with Sabian or agree with Julio. And, like, this is really difficult because Julio seems like he's really competent and knows what he's doing, and I want to agree with him. But also fucking dragons? Right? Dragons? The temptation. The temptation of it all. So I'm going to agree with Sabian because the fucking, yes, dragons. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. We we know my love affair with dragons. It's not as strong as it used to be, but you never really forget one of your firsts. Mm-hmm. Oh, that reminds me. Um, so my my burlesque troupe before um, the whole world shut down was oh. dancing to a song called um, Enormous Penis. And we're... <laughs> Um, so the song sounds sort of like barbershop quartetti. So we were going to wear, you know, like boater hats and blazers and, um, get like these giant inflatable penises to tape onto canes so we could like swing them around. Um, but we were having a hard time finding enough of the inflatable penises. And like, I already had a not inflatable giant dildo that, um, is so big that it scares me as part of it's horrific as part of the gag yeah it's so bad it's it's like as thick around as a soda can and 14 inches long and terrifying and made Um, of like a plastic you do not want to put in your body it is it is not body safe for sure yeah so anyway we were having a hard time finding more of the inflatable dicks so we were like spitballing around for like anyone who was left over who wanted like some other kind of dildo and someone was like, oh, yeah, I heard there's like a, a website where you can order like dragon dicks. And I was like, oh, you know, if that's something we want to do, um, I know maybe a source where we could maybe borrow one, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but then everything got canceled. So, oh, I wish I could have like, because it's it's just collecting dust right now. The right. world needs to see this. And it's a I dragon. Know. It's a dragon one. It's a dragon one. And it's also quite large. And like. It's, it's definitely not as big as some of the things. That company that shall not be named Inappropriate Drake. <laughs> no, but Drake is an inappropriate Drake. So that's confusing. Inappropriate worm. <laughs> shall not be named. Uh, but it's just collecting dust. And it's definitely certainly not as big as some of the other, we'll say, models. Mm. Uh, but it's certainly sizable and, I would say, intimidating to those whose whoms have not consumed draconic pornography. <laughs> so, uh, moral of that story, Dame has a dragon dick. Oh, it's so beautiful. And it's it's got the most beautiful. I I paid extra for like the firma silicone because <laughs> when I used to put penis shaped things into my body before my body betrayed me. Um <laughs> and even then it was still betraying me, but I was still at the point where I was convinced, like, no, this can go on my body. It's okay that it hurts, right? <laughs> Christ. Uh, one day we'll do an introduction about pelvic pain. Uh, uh yeah, just a short pro tip in general. Um, if you're trying to do sexual things, 
and it hurts and you don't like that it hurts, it's okay to stop and not do it anymore. Take it from somebody who has just <laughs> abused their body so many times trying to convince themselves that, no, it's fine. It's just a real, it's just a little bit of pain. Like um, uh, experiencing pain during sex that you were not, not anticipating. Not expecting, uh, not consenting to is not just like a cool and normal thing, even though people will tell you that it is. It's not. So um, it's okay to speak up and say, hey, can we do something different? Because this this thing that we're doing is hurting my body and I don't like it. Like, you can say that. You can do it. It's totally cool to do that. But yeah, I spent extra money because I wanted the firmest. I I can't quite remember if they charge for firmer silicone or not because they have like several densities. But I went with the firmest silicone because I prefer firm things. And also like they have inappropriate worm has (laughs) has like different coloring options. And they had like this beautiful because it was supposed to be an ice dragon. We all know how I feel about ice. I love winter. I love frosty things. I love the aesthetic of the cold, frigid north. Uh, And it had this, like, beautiful, like, rich lavender and dark purple marbling that I spent extra on. And it's just just gathering dust. Yeah. I guess I could display it somewhere, but that seems seems excessive. Yeah. Put it in a little plexiglass case. (laughs) Mount it on my wall. And this is my hundred plus dollar dragon penis. Uh, thankfully, I don't think it was greater than a hundred dollars, but uh, it, it was close, as I recall. Fancy dicks are fancy. Alrighty, back to the story. Dragons. Yes. Just kidding. We're not going to continue the story right now. We realized that we um, kind of recorded too much for this part of the story. We're, we're very excited to maybe, hopefully, find a sexy dragon, but we'll just have to wait for next time. So we hope this cliffhanger leaves you on the edge of your seats. Yeah! Yeah, I don't think I have anything to, like, really break down from this section of the story because we didn't really, like, get to the sexy, sexy stuff, but I always love werewolf content. It's always very yeah. fun. The action was great. Mm-hmm. I love uh, talking like dialogue or narrating through action sequences. And I think you do it really well. Thanks. Also want to apologize once again for the fact that we are not good Spanish speakers. Oops. And <laughs> we're trying. We're, we're listening to the, the pronunciation recordings. I think we're slow. Uh, no, I don't want to give myself too much credit. Or I'm not getting there. Uh, I feel like I should install the Duolingo and have that owl bug me to practice my accent just because I I want to do a good job. But it's also like you can get the pronunciation correct of individual words. But if you like don't fully understand what the sentence is, you don't necessarily know where like the emphasis should be. So like, ooh yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, I think that is the, the biggest problem. It probably sounds like nonsense to our Spanish speaking audience. So, yeah. We appreciate your understanding and patience. Yeah. And but like, I think it's I, super cool that Geek included this in the series. Yes. And I know Dame is the one reading the Spanish part, so I'm not throwing them under the bus. Like, I would do just as bad. So, oh, please throw shade at me. It's horrendous. <laughs> Every time I'm like, oh, well, here we go again. Time to sacrifice more of my dignity. <laughs> Oh boy, time to, I'm like, every time I'm just like, internally, I'm like, fight the French, Abigail, fight the French. (laughs) Yeah. 
I also took French in high school, so we were just doomed either way. Oh, I thought you took Spanish. I took a Spanish class after I graduated from my undergrad, but yeah, I also, like, I learned French first, so sometimes the pronunciations are, like, stuck in my head. I don't really remember how to say anything in either of them, except, like, donde esta el biblioteca. Oh, yeah, well... Yeah, I took four years of French and spent a summer in France, so, like, I'm fucked. Like, I was I was in southern France, and, like, that's, that's all that's permeated my pronunciation of anything. See, from, from French, I remember, uh, quelle heure est-il? So what, I can, yeah, what I time can is ask it? the library and what time it is, and that's it. Oh, I'm actually forgetting the French word for library. I think it's similar to the Spanish word, but Mm. uh, can't tell you. I remember various greetings, various foods. I have completely forgotten verbs. There's like basically no verbs I remember, which I think is interesting that that is something that has like ejected from my memory. I know like the verb like to be, like what it, what it means to like be something as a verb, Mm -hmm. but I don't remember like how to run taking a shower, reading something, all of that is gone. And I yeah. think that's, that's interesting that that has how my brain has ejected it. But mm-hmm. maybe maybe one day I'll pick it back up. But for now, focusing on the Spanish pronunciations. Yeah. So I think that's it for us. Yeah, this episode rocked. Can't wait to talk to you guys in the next episode and keep reading. Yeah. Stay frosty, dudes, and wear a mask. Yes. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Black Lives Matter. Also, happy Pride. By the time this comes out, Pride will be over. But happy Pride. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I was about to say happy Pride uh, from your non-binary bisexual. And you you officially go with homoflexible now, yeah? Yeah. Mostly lesbian. Yeah. Lesbian-leaning homoflexible hosts. Yeah. Happy Pride from us to you. Alrighty. Bye. Bye.